My name is Mouse. And my name is Ryan. And this week, the bells are jingling, the snow is glistening, and we are reviewing the 1990 Christmas classic, Home Alone! (laughs) Home Alone, as you should already know, is about an eight-year-old boy who is clever beyond his years. He is left to defend his house from these burglars on Christmas Eve after being forgotten and left home alone by his very careless family when they are rushed on their way to their Christmas vacation. (laughs) Uh, So that is what the movie is about. Everybody knows this, or so I thought, because apparently this was the first time Pilar has watched this movie. Apparently to me too, because I thought I'd seen this movie. Actually, I've never seen it before because everything was new to me. (laughs) Everything was a shock to me. So there was one where I remember there was like a a cutout of a naked lady or like maybe a lady in a bikini. Like, I don't know if it was like his brother's cardboard cutout or if it was like he cut out the, the centerfold. Okay. And he put it in the shower and there was a parrot that was like, uh, hey, sexy, something like that, you know? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what I watched, but it was like a Home Alone movie, I'm pretty sure. I Was there a third one? So there's a third one, a fourth one, maybe a fifth one, and now... Another one with uh, Yorkie? Yeah, and now Yorkie's in one. <laughs> right. That might be the fifth one, though. Yeah, but I've never seen that. I mean, I, I know. <laughs> you should have never seen the third one, or that shouldn't be what you're talking about, because Macaulay Culkin's only in two of them. The third one is like well, then a different the kid. One? It's a different kid. They're just trying to make money off of this uh, IP. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw one, and I had a parrot and a sexy lady in the shower. Because I remember they walked into the shower, and then they saw the silhouette of like a hot bod, and then like her be like, I don't know, a parrot said some sexy stuff. So in the second one, he has a little uh, Walkman. Right. Uh, and he records his Uncle Frank saying something. Right. Oh, singing in the shower. Singing And in the then shower. the silhouette of the shower is like this, like, uh, like one of those blow-up things that you punch and it won't fall over. Like it's weighted okay. on the bottom. Uh-huh. And it's just like one of those with arms. Okay. And he's playing like the recording. No, but I specifically There's remember. There's no parrot. No, I specifically remember a parrot. Then you're talking about a and different movie. And a cardboard movie. cutout or something, like a <laughs> piece of paper in the shower. Anyways, that's what I thought Home Alone was. Was uh, this very specific scene? That's all, the only thing I remember from like this Home Alone movie that I remember watching. Okay. All right. Okay. So if this happens to be one of the third or the fourth one, please let us know because it's gonna be trapped in my mind. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I know you were surprised when you first heard Macaulay Culkin's voice. Yes. So, given that I thought I had seen this, but I really only remember watching Macaulay Culkin and Richie Rich, and he was a lot older in that movie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, I remember his voice being a lot deeper. And so, the first time I heard his voice, he was like, Mom, can you please tie my shoes? I'm like, what the fuck is that? Mom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this was like the 1,000th time that I've seen this movie. Okay. I have not seen it in a long time. Okay. Like since I was a kid probably. Right. It was interesting to watch it as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I picked up on a lot more 
than like jokes and yeah stuff. like okay. like details that i never realized before right okay uh and i'm curious as to whether you picked up on the same things on the first viewing mm, as as an adult the first thing that stood out to me mm-hmm. in this viewing was none other than the, just the opening scene okay so it is something that has stuck with me yes like like the music uh-huh like dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I remember the music, but I do remember this the opening scene being way more than I was ready for. Like Wait, what opening scene are you talking about? Wait. What opening scene am I talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Are you talking about everybody like going back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm talking about before that. Okay. Like the opening shot that we see is just the music playing Mm -hmm. and then we see like the moon and there's like the slow pan. And it's as though, like, the little graphic of the house mm-hmm. is there already, and the camera's just, like, slowly panning and zooming out to to reveal this house graphic. Oh my gosh, I probably wasn't even paying attention to that. Oh. I really don't remember that. I just feel like it's one of the most <laughs> iconic, like, movie openings. Okay. That I've ever seen. Damn, dude, if I had paid attention, it probably would have been really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, like, like home and alone mm-hmm. pop up mm-hmm. on both sides of the little house okay and like the light comes on in the yeah house. damn you, you don't remember i that? really don't remember that wow what the hell dude all right i might as i think i just started writing my notes but i really don't remember seeing that that's okay i only have 999 <laughs> <laughs> all right so the the first real aspect of the movie mm-hmm. that i never realized was something i'm just gonna call like well, I was going to call them plot hole fillers. Okay. But they're more like plot hole preventative techniques. Okay. Plot hole patches. Plot hole. I mean, it's like prevent. Preventatives. Mm, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I did pick up on that. Like them. But I felt like it was almost like when you're reading a story from like a creative class or whatever. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, can you like proofread my story? And then. You know, they're like reading it and they're like, okay, but what about this? And what about this? And it's almost like they went back to be like, okay, we have to write this in to like make sure that, you know. Yeah. Like it felt like it was an afterthought. Does that make sense to so, me? I, I can see that. Mm-hmm. But like the the plot is based on all of this. It's like anchored to right. all of these plot hole preventions. <laughs> okay. So yeah. like specifically, uh, I think... Like, blatantly, the neighbor kid, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch Murphy is his name. Yeah. So, he comes out of nowhere. He's right. not involved in the rest of the movie. Right. Uh, he provides some, like, comedy with his 1,000 questions a second. Right, know? right. Of course, his presence appears to be purely to show how Kevin was missed. Like, they're doing the little head count thing. Right. And he is counted... Like, and then he walks off, of course. Like, it technically wasn't this family being terrible. Yeah, I mean, they're doing the responsible thing. Like, they have a plan. Right. To count everybody, count right. all the kids, make sure you got everybody. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, it goes terribly wrong. Right. Uh, and it appears as though this neighbor, this annoying-ass neighbor kid, mm-hmm. just comes over, and that's his purpose of the movie. Right. But he does a couple of things in his dialogue. Okay. He tells the the van driver that his family's going on vacation as well Mm uh and you know he goes into great detail on that right like they're stopping somewhere before they get somewhere else (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh 
what that does is provide you with the context that you need in the future for why Marv and Harry are over in that house okay. robbing it. Uh, okay, gotcha. You know? Yeah. I was caught off guard because I had never noticed that before. Mm-hmm. I just thought, like, oh, of course they they miss Kevin because they counted this kid who looks right, like Kevin right. or whatever. Yeah, he has the same hat as Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then in that same scene, like, you know, the power goes out. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, the power going out, uh, there's, like, the music starts to play during mm-hmm. that scene. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's, like, the branches, like, scraping up against the window. Right. And I was so scared of that. <laughs> and then there's the, like, the shot of the, like, Santa head wreath. Okay. Do you remember that? No. Dude, why can't I remember these things? I feel like there's other very specific things that I remember, but okay. Well, this Santa head wreath, like it's a wreath with Uh like a Santa head in the middle. Right. And like the music is playing and it just, uh, there's like a a dramatic moment in the music. Okay. As it, I thought it zoomed in, but it it just like cuts to like a closer, a close up of the Santa head. Mm -hmm. And that like scarred me. For life as, as a, a kid. kid? Yeah, oh, and it's no. terrifying. It's still scary. Dang, I feel like as a kid, that, that probably would have would have scared me too. So, like, the obvious thing for a kid to be afraid of is, like, the furnace. Yes. And, like, I I don't know as a kid if I would have been scared of that. But, like, the furnace. You were scared oh, of the yeah. furnace? Yeah. Furnace? <laughs> don't give him a name. <laughs> you were scared of Fermi? Fermi? <laughs> Fermi. Vermilion. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, to me, as a kid, that would have been cheesy. So, I I watched The Brave Little Toaster as a kid. Okay, yes. That can be scarring. Yeah. yeah. And this is, like, a live-action clip of The Brave Little Toaster, basically. Okay. With Aww. this furnace, like, like lighting yeah. up and then starting to, like... Yeah, but you didn't have a basement growing up, so you had nothing to be scared of. I didn't have a basement. <laughs> But, but man, in the middle of the night when I had to go to the bathroom, like that was scary. I don't know. Yeah. So to get back about the power oh, yeah, going yeah, out, power. that same scene with the neighbor kid, mm-hmm. they're like getting everybody in the van. They're about to pull out, right. get it, get to the airport. And like the, the power line worker comes over mm-hmm. and is like, Hey, you know, we got the power back up, but your phone lines are down. They're going to be down for a couple of days. Right. And like, that's just such a brilliant thing because it it's, it's just said by somebody yeah. and not even it's heard. like a casual thing you know like yeah. you had to like be actively listening to be like oh okay cool cool what yeah like the yeah. characters are just not even paying attention to it right so like you as a viewer is not going to pay attention to it mm-hmm. but because the phone lines are down once they figure out once they get to paris figure out that kevin isn't with them and they left him at home mm-hmm. they can't communicate with him directly like they can't call him because the phone lines are down okay but at some point, the phones do come up because there is the scene where the robbers are at yeah, the yeah, neighbor's yeah. house. I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, another thing that's just said and doesn't seem like much because I've missed it all my life. I never, okay. never put two and two together. Right. But the pizza comes. They're like, everybody's c- gathering around the the table and the counter space to like eat this pizza mm-hmm. and Kate, the mom, uh, played by Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Goddess. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, she like yells out to everybody like, I hope you're drinking milk. I'm trying to get rid of it. 
Right. You know, because they're going on vacation. If they mm-hmm. leave milk there, it's just going to spoil or right. whatever. That's why later on, Kevin has to go to the grocery store. Okay. Because they're out of milk. Because they spilled it. So that was one of the scenes that bothered me so much. Okay. Like that they just had their passports out on the counter and then they just spilled milk all over it. Like, who does that? Like, who leaves their passports? Well, they're leaving in the next morning. Though. I know, but why would they leave them out? Put it in your little duffel bag. It doesn't make sense to me why they would leave it out like that. I don't know. All in a pile. What? Where do you want them to be all <laughs> spread out? No, in their own duffel bags. Sorry, I was mad. <laughs> yeah. Also, in that scene, uh, it is something that I feel like everybody misses the first time. But um, you see... Kevin's dad, mm-hmm. um, like sopping up the milk okay. uh, with all these napkins and stuff, and like mm-hmm. dabbing the passports, mm-hmm. and he just like grabs a bundle of them and throws them in the trash can. Mm-hmm. And there's a quick, like, clip just of the trash can and the the trash going into it. Mm-hmm. But in that bundle of napkins, there's mm-hmm. also Kevin's passport. <gasps> oh, this has been something that's like been revealed. I did online. not notice that. Okay. If you zoom in, which I'll do, you can like see like a little the top of the passport, which is also red, okay. and then you can see like Kevin's name written, oh, like in Sharpie or something. Okay. Or not passport, ticket. Oh, his not, ticket. Not his passport. Okay. His ticket. Yeah, I feel like his passport probably would have been a little bit more. Yeah. Like eye grabbing than a regular ticket. Which now that I think about it, that doesn't explain if they have Kevin's passport. Well, I guess they would keep the passports. Yes. Yeah, they like, duffel bags. You don't have to hand those over when you get onto the plane like they did with the tickets. So, I mean, the fact that they threw Kevin's ticket away explains how they're not like, we have an extra ticket for Kevin. Mm-hmm. Like, that explains that. Okay. And I was like, wait, it doesn't explain the passports. But that's not something that you're going to be, like, checking until you get to France. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been international. Uh, and then there's one more, um, like, pro- plot hole preventions. Okay. And that's when they're on the plane. Mm-hmm. They, the adults are in first class and the kids are back in coach. Right. And there's a line like, don't you feel guilty that the kids are in coach? Or whatever. Yeah. Somebody says that. And that's how we know that they're split up. Yeah, so and they can't even count the kids. Yeah, they can't even see that Kevin is missing. Okay. So, like, that's another way that they left Left him home alone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole show, folks. So I like the idea that they had all these preventative plot hole, you know, fillers, whatever. Yes. But I, I hated them. Like, they were nice in theory, but I hated them. Because I felt like it felt very, to me, like an afterthought. I felt like it was like, uh, like the kid just comes up and he has like a whole personality for five seconds and it's like okay kid that I'm never ever gonna see again like why were you even in this film <laughs> Mitch Murphy yeah. yeah like I felt like he could have easily just been like a kid who walks up and then sees like a shiny toy in a bag and is like oh I like this and then like they count his head and then they leave like I did not like how they just gave this kid like a whole ass personality uh, okay well they do that with kind of everyone though who else gets a whole ass personality? Well, I mean, there's a large, like, 
cast of family members Mm -hmm. and just about every one of them at least has a one line of dialogue yeah but this kid has more lines of dialogue than his family members i know but i'm saying like they didn't i feel like it would be too it would be too obtuse to have just a random kid show up not say anything or interact with anyone and then just get counted as Kevin and then just be out of the picture. Well, that's another thing, too. I don't understand why these drivers would even let this kid, who's, like, not even part of it, like, be all up in their car. Like, they know that he's not a kid that is going on the trip because he's like, oh, yeah, I'm the neighbor, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, kid, go to your fucking house. That's what I would be. Everybody's rushing, though. Like, the drivers woke them up. Okay. Like, they've been uh-huh. waiting on them because they're scheduled to pick them up at a certain time. Right. And now everybody's, like, flying in and out of the house with all their bags and stuff. Uh-huh. Like, they're trying to fit all the luggage in and get people in. Like, they're right. not paying attention to this kid. They are paying attention because he was sitting in the van with him. Yeah, but it, the kid's going on and on. And the driver's like, I don't know, kid. <laughs> I don't know, kid. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and okay. that's how everybody feels. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm just stating that I did not like the kid and his whole ass personality. He could have just easily been in and out of the spot and it would have been fun. Okay. The phone's being down. Oh yeah, the phone's being down. That felt very much like watching Tommy Wasso go into the flower shop and being like, hey, my flowers. And they're like, oh, you're my favorite customer. Hi, doggy. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it felt like watching it, dude. I was like, what? Oh, hi, doggy. (laughs) Hi, doggy. Um, I mean, I understand what it was there for, but I did not like it the way it was delivered. It felt like so rushed and like not, it meant, it felt like it was supposed to be casual, but also deliberate. And I did not like that. Like it's like be one or the other. It was deliberately casual. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate that. Okay. Well, so there are issues with the phones being down. Okay. Because he says the phones are going to be down for a couple of days, which is very vague. Like, does that mean that only their house the phones are down right i don't know because the phones across the street were what were working because the robbers were there right and kevin's dad calls right the murphy house mm-hmm. it gets the voicemail of right. course harry and mar were there mm-hmm. and hear it and whatever so like the fact that he could call into the neighbors yes maybe is a plot hole right but there's a better plot hole. Better plot hole? Yeah. Okay. Because their house, the McAllister house, their mm-hmm. phones are definitely down. Right. Because that's what the power worker said, the power mm-hmm. line worker. Uh, however, Kevin's first night, he orders pizza. That's so true. Yeah. What the heck? <gasps> wow. Yeah. What the heck, dude? I will state this right now. I liked this movie. I had okay. a fun time watching this movie. But I felt like alongside of the plot holes and not really liking how they were delivered i felt like there was things that i felt culturally shocked by one of the things i was really shocked by was just how hostile these kids were to like macaulay culkin's character to kevin like they were so mean to him and like to the point where this seven-year-old was like you know what i wish you were all dead like I mean, I understand, like, not liking your family and your family getting on your nerves. But this kid straight up was like, I am never going to see you guys again whenever I grow up. And he's, like, seven years old. He's so jaded. Like, what the heck? Yeah, he's eight years old. 
eight years old, whatever. <laughs> and then he gets in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. And his mom is like, go upstairs. And he's like, I'm already upstairs, dummy. Bitch, if that was my mom, what? <laughs> I wouldn't be alive. Calling my mom dummy? I mean, he's sassy. That's a child that deserves a spanking. Well, I look at it this way. Okay. Everybody is stressed out. They're about to go on vacation. They're flying to Paris tomorrow. Right. Like, it's the holidays. So that's stressful enough. They just drove in from Ohio or something. Uh-huh. Like, everybody is, like, as tense as they could be. Mm-hmm. Plus... There's this police officer in the house for no reason. Why is he in the house? Does not he not need permission <laughs> to get inside of their house? That made no sense to me. Alright, so I went through like the IMDB like goof page for okay. Home Alone. Yeah. And might I say, there are a ridiculous amount of like continuity errors. Okay, yeah, I can see uh, that. And just like things ranging from um, the way Catherine O'Hara's jacket moves between shots okay like like small stuff like that but then there's also like major things like the phones Mm -hmm. like that are listed i did not see the fact that the movie starts off and joe pesci's character harry Mm -hmm. impersonating a police officer is already in their house right like who let him in and then just went and minded their own business yeah that makes no sense and he's like asking every kid like who lives here who lives here it's like dude what do you care and then he's like asking all these questions and like i don't know i i mean i'm not part of a white family not not part of a middle class white family uh they're upper middle class okay upper middle class white family their house is the silver tuna that is true they're yeah Anyways, they're just like <laughs> spilling their beans to everyone. <laughs> you just rule number one. You use that earnestly in a sentence. <laughs> Dude, don't spill your beans. Rule number one. And like, they're like, oh yeah, we have this lock. We have like these kinds of security. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, my grandmother is like, treasure is in the upstairs bathroom like underneath the sink you know they're like telling this guy everything and like he's still around the house like i personally would not have you know a cop would not be in my house and then two if he is in my house he would not be in my house for more than like a minute like i just hate the fact that they're just like nobody's like okay like is there anything else i could do for you officer no okay get the heck out well they're very white. It's 1990. Okay. They're rich. Okay. Uh-huh. And they have, they do not fear the police. Okay. You know? In fact, actually, you know what? So there's a flag when Kevin goes to the attic. Uh-huh. Or the third floor, whatever you call it. It is a um, Chicago Police Department flag. Okay. And it's the same flag that's on uh, his arm. Okay. And then the cop that comes later on is also the, uh, has the same thing. And like, dude, okay, when they do call the police, because I was getting upset that they didn't, that the first thing that they didn't do was call the police. Because uh, it's like, that's that's the first thing I would do. Like, I wouldn't try to call the kid. Anyways, when they call the police, they're like, okay, we're going to send somebody to go check on your house. And then they're like, knock, knock. All right, there's nobody in here. It's like, bitch, yeah. he's a, a kid who's alone. Like, first thing you you like learn as a kid is like don't talk to strangers so you're not gonna open the door for anyone i know especially you're home alone i know i know i get it like in he's a real, like 
in a real situation, that police officer is like breaking down the door. Right. You know? However, what do they call her? Hyper. Hyper. They say hyper yeah, yeah. online too or something like uh-huh. that. Like they don't believe a word that this crazy lady is saying to them. So they're just going through the motions of going to this house. Okay. Like the suspension of disbelief holds up in that scenario for me. Okay. <laughs> because I can see this cop like not giving a shit. Okay. He just. I mean, he just got called to shit. So he just got called to some random house by some crazy lady. Okay. And the last thing he wants to do is go into the, some crazy lady's house. Okay. Fair. Fair. Um. Okay. When another thing that like to me I don't really understand like culturally is like uh he Kevin was going through his big brother's room and he goes into that big uh chest and he like the first thing he sees is like the picture of his girlfriend yeah he's like woof like (laughs) what does that mean like what does woof mean like obviously it means like she's ugly but where does it come from it comes from an adult writing a screenplay that's what it comes from no kid would ever say that (laughs) (laughs) what's his brother's name buzz Buzz. He's like, Buzz, girlfriend. Woof. That's <laughs> uh, so dumb. Here's a fun fact that I didn't put in my fun facts. Okay. Uh, that picture is actually of a boy. Uh, it's like the director's nephew or something. Um, wow. He didn't want to like insult a girl that way. Okay. Wow. Cool. So he insulted a boy that way. <laughs> <laughs> His own boy, I guess. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I meant to look it up, but did you figure out what very G stands for? <laughs> so I have that under my quotes. Okay. I assume... I don't know what that means. Well, okay, do you remember the context it was said under? Yes. Um, he says... All right, so Harry tells Marv, that's the one, Marv. That's the uh, silver tuna. Okay. And Marv says, oh, it's very G." Mm-hmm. That's the line. Okay. I guess it just means good or like, you know, just top notch. Very G. Very G. I've never heard that in my life. It caught me so off guard. That's like... Off G. <laughs> that's like a, a white adult writer trying to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was something that I was like, who ever has ever said that in their life? Um, that was a culture shock for you. That was a culture shock because it's like, who says that? Nobody has ever Nobody's said that. ever said that. And it's like literally just trying to be cool with a new term that they thought they heard some kid say on the street. Yeah. Um, another culture shock for me that we talked about a little bit was like the milk. Who drinks milk with their dinner? Like, I, okay, with so pizza. That, with pizza. I mean, okay, so milk with pizza is one of my favorite things. But I feel like... What? I love drinking milk with pizza. And this was a culture shock to you? Well, it's a culture shock to me because it's like, I know it's a weird thing. Okay. And pe- they're just doing it as a family. But I feel like that happens a lot in, like, older movies where, like, they're eating dinner. They always drink milk. Well, I think, like, the kids specifically are having to drink milk. Okay. I guess it's, like... Like, they have Pepsi as well. Right, they have Pepsi. And we see Kyrian drinking Pepsi. Yeah. But, um, like, 
I don't know. It's all okay. So that kind of loops into like the the scene where Kevin's like at the grocery store or whatever the convenience store, and he's like, "Is this toothbrush uh, <laughs> certified by the American Dental Association? <laughs> like, what even is that? I mean, that, why that is something? Don't you think that that would be something that a kid that thinks he's is trying to act more mature than he really is?" would ask i guess but it also feels like a promo for the american dental association like okay so drinking <laughs> milk at dinner feels like such a like a 90s like oh this is what kids should be doing mm -hmm. kind of thing okay and okay. so does that scene like okay. it just feels like a commercial within a movie like nine out of ten dentists approve this like movie? It, you know what it feels like it feels like uh the truman show Hmm. Where he's like, where she would be like, oh, I got this at the grocery <laughs> store. It's called the bean peeler. Isn't that great, Truman? And he's like, what? <laughs> Certified organic. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's what it feels like to me. I don't know. Like that specific okay. scene was really weird and out of place for this movie for me. Okay. Interesting. I thought, I thought two other scenes were out of place. Okay. Both of which are like deliberately wholesome i want to say okay uh so, so the first scene is the santa claus scene okay kevin walks to this like santa uh north pole house thing mm -hmm. you know it's like you know in the middle of like the park yeah yeah and he has this weird conversation with the santa where he's like i know you're not the real santa i know how it works i'm right. old enough to know how it works <laughs> and then he goes on to say i know you're not the real santa Santa, but I know you work with him or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, you work for him. Yeah. yeah, and like that's a funny line. It's yeah. like a cute kid thing, mm -hmm. like kid logic. Right. But the Santa is so cringy, and then he's like, "Okay, kid, sounds good." And then he tries to give him these tic tacs. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that was like really weird to me, and I guess kind of culturally shocky to me, was the <laughs> amount of like culturally uh, shocky was the amount of like product placement in this movie. So another scene that felt really weird to me, but I still love it, is the scene with, uh, with Kirian where he's drinking the Pepsi. Like, just the way that it was cut was very weird. Because it was so fast and like, mm. you know, like the dialogue itself was like, what's his name? The kid? Fuller. Fuller. There he's like, Fuller, slow down on the Pepsi. <laughs> you know, like that could have been left alone, but then the way it was shot, like, and edited was like, you know, he's drinking the Pepsi, the Pepsi face is like right there. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it was like meant to be like a scene that Pepsi itself could just take from uh, the film yeah. and just put in their own promo. Hmm, Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I can see that now. And it just like felt weird watching it within the movie. I love that scene because it's so cute, but it just felt weird to be in the movie. So there's something about that scene and I think it's like the voice that right. says... Fuller slow down on the Pepsi. Yeah. I don't know who Pepsi. says it, mm -hmm. but like it is so clearly like, like done in post. Yeah, like the voice is from off screen, so it could have been said at any point during post production. Right. By anyone just trying to sound like somebody. Right. And like that may be another reason why it stands out as like a yeah. I mean strange. Yeah. I I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um, so but... the the other scene that I was gonna bring up. Uh huh. Uh, is the scene where Kevin goes to the church. 
Mm-hmm. And he finally talks to old man Marley. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> which I have a lot of things to say about old man Marley. I have things to say about old man Marley. Uh, anyway, he finally talks to him. And they have like this, this like heart to heart in which the old man's problems, Kevin is like giving him solutions to. Right. And Kevin's problems, the old man is giving him solutions to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, this kid is wise beyond his years. Right. And this old man isn't so scary after all. Right. And it like tries to force these like Christmassy, like holiday family moral or family values. Yeah into the movie yeah and it doesn't it doesn't like fit with the plot necessarily right like the idea of old man marley was just really weird and could have been left out of the whole movie well i don't know i mean what does he do save kevin i guess but like something else could have been done or kevin was like not caught yeah i mean he he could have like actually called the cops and the cops just showed up yeah you know I mean, he could have because the phones were working. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like I like the character of Old Man Marley. Okay. Because he, the movie is trying to be for both kids and for adults. Okay. And he provides like the adult context for you know okay. everyone hates their family during the year. Yes. And feels guilty around the holidays that they haven't cared that much about their family, and like. Old Man Marley is representing that for the adults viewing it. Okay. I guess I can see that. But I feel like, story-wise, he was kind of unnecessary. He was unnecessary. Yes. And they did not need to have him be like... (laughs) David Blaine's Yeah, like... Like, like, who just looks at people like that? Like, he would literally stare at Kevin for full minutes and not talk to him. For what... For what? Okay. All right. Let me address that in a second. Okay. So I basically, to sum it up, I didn't like the Santa Claus scene and I didn't like the church scene. Okay. Because I feel like it forces these values into the movie that's not even there. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the values can be rendered through the plot already. Right. Because Kevin doesn't like his family anymore. Never wants to see him again. And then because he has lost them, he learns the value of his family. Right. And wants them to be there on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, that's already there. Right. All right. With the old man. Okay. This is what I wanted to address. Okay. Because it's actually one of my favorite things about the movie. Okay. It's one of the very good aspects of it. Throughout the movie, mm-hmm. there are these really unique, like, first-person perspective shots. Okay. And there's a few scenes where we get a first-person perspective of old man Marley. Okay. Uh, the first one is from the window. Mm-hmm. We see like old man like turn his head. I'm calling yeah. him old man. <laughs> I'm just gonna call him Marley. Okay. Uh, which is a a reference to Marley from a Christmas Story, the Charles Dickens okay. like Scrooge. Sure. Marley is like his deceased coworker or friend or whatever. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so we see Marley like turn and look and like have that weird, creepy fucking yeah. glare <laughs> uh, through the window. Uh, then we see him three other times in which he just kind of sneaks up on Kevin almost. Yeah. And Kevin is like Weird. looking up at him mm-hmm. and there's the time in the store where yes. like, we're like, oh, and he's just like glaring like straight down into the camera kind of. Yeah. Uh, there's the scene 
where Kevin is like, I'm not afraid anymore. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's really funny because he's, like, he's not afraid of the robbers anymore. Right. But he forgot about old man Marley out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we see him, like, like look up at him again. Mm. And then we have this, like, perspective from down below him. Did you have, like, somebody like Marley that you were afraid of? I wish. (laughs) You wish? Yeah. I mean, it's so much better to have a fear of something tangible versus a furnace. Well, the furnace itself is tangible too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry, I cut you off. Uh, and then finally, in the church, when he approaches, approaches Kevin, mm-hmm. we also see that very familiar at this point. Okay. Like view up toward Old Man Marley. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think those camera angles, mm-hmm. and even I guess like the glare that Marley gives. Mm-hmm. Uh, really work to show what Kevin is seeing. seeing. Feeling. Yeah. yeah. And it's, okay. it's not even like reality necessarily. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, it just, it feels from a non like little kid scared of this old man perspective. It just <laughs> looks weird. Uh, yeah. But I, I can see that and that's fine. The, you mentioned too, the scene in which the family is like, taking their turn is just just like roasting kevin basically in the kitchen yeah he's like look what you did you little jerk yeah and oh she's like you are what the french called laissez confetant it's <laughs> one of my favorite what? lines because kevin is like what <laughs> like he's like i should be insulted but what <laughs> he's like yeah wait he... can we go back to old man marley are you still talking about him no go ahead okay Okay, so when I first saw him, okay, like uh, just even the whole premise, I thought of a movie called Now and Then, which is my favorite childhood movie. Um, is that Mandy Moore? Yes, Mandy. Wait, no, Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Yeah, she's in there. Oh, okay. So Now and Then is about uh, four girls growing up in the '60s, and then it's like between the '60s versions of them where they're kids and then the adult versions of them when they're like in the 80s or 90s whatever no. rosie o'donnell has rosie o'donnell yes it has thorough birch thorough Thur- birch yeah. that's why you're looking at yeah, yeah yeah okay uh anyways i've seen that movie right okay so okay uh in that movie in the 60s you know they're they go to do a seance at this uh cemetery because uh, it's one of like one of the friends she loves doing like weird witchy stuff or whatever. Okay. Anyways, so they go to the sand. <laughs> it's not the rubber. What? So the other one. Um, I can't Isn't she the Hocus Pocus kid? No, oh, Gabby Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> so Gabby Hoffman's character, she, they did the seance or whatever, and then uh, her and I think Thora Birch get separated, and it's like raining, and there's this old guy called Crazy Pete. And he's like at the cemetery and they're like, crazy Pete, no! He's like, you know, the most scary person to yeah, them. Because yeah, yeah. he's like, he has that like disheveled beard and mm-hmm. like, he like rides his bike and he never talks to anyone. He only oh, goes yeah. out at night. Yeah. Um, Share and the so, road. What a weirdo. Yeah. So like, I literally thought it was the same person. I'm like, how are you going to be typecasted <laughs> as the creepy guy who just stalks children? Okay. Okay. Uh, but it's not the right person or same person. So the person in this film is 
uh, Robert Blossom, who plays mm-hmm. Marley. Yeah. And the person who plays Crazy Pete is Walter Sparrow. But they look... I feel like looking at the pictures, they don't look the same. But you they, they have the same, like, aura about them. <laughs> you know? Okay. The same, like, creepy old man aura okay. that little kids would be scared of. Okay. And so I, I can see myself understanding why I mistake them for the same person but literally it was like the same storyline you know like a creepy guy whose like child was like dead or like out of their life because crazy pete's son died or whatever okay so old man marley Uh in the church he reminded me of another character oh my gosh he reminded me of a very old daniel plainview (gasps) who is coming to some realization that you know Families are weird, and even though you think you stop loving people, you still love your family. Damn, and he calls his son. He like he was like, yeah, I don't talk to my son anymore. <laughs> I love that. That's really cute. There's one other character reference that okay. I picked up on. Okay. In this viewing of the movie. All right. So Kevin, I think the very the most famous scene of the movie mm-hmm. is the scene where he's in the bathroom. And he's talking into the mirror. He's giving his whole, like, beauty regimen, I guess. Okay, okay. And I was like, did this movie, like, inspire the character of Patrick Bateman? <gasps> Patrick Bateman? I yeah. thought you were going to talk about the Truman Show. You know where he's, like, talking in his mirror? And he's, like, brushing yeah. But, yeah, okay, I can see Patrick Bateman, yeah. Yeah, because the, the book came out in 1981. It was published oh. in 1991. This movie came out in 1990. <gasps> There's a chance. Oh, my God. That Patrick Bateman is just based on Kevin McAllister. Dude, I can definitely see that, though. You know, like, Kevin just becomes... Because they live in... Uh, they go to New York. They, they both don't live in torture. Yeah. They both hate society. And robbers and families. <laughs> so I mentioned that I was personally impressed by, like, the first-person perspective on the camera. Right. Uh, so we talked about Old Man Marley, but there's a couple of other times. So you also mentioned when the family was, like... Like scolding Kevin, mm-hmm. like it cuts to like his perspective and right. just like slowly pans across the kitchen, like looking at everybody, mm-hmm. and everybody's just like staring into the camera as though it's that's Kevin. Oh my god, dude, I hated that moment. Yeah, but it's so good. I mean, like, it's it so is effective. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I hated it in a good way. Okay, and then, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the next morning he goes back down to the kitchen. Everybody's mm-hmm. gone. And it does, like, the same slow pan again. It's a clean kitchen. It's clean. There's nobody there. Mm-hmm. And that's where he, like, hmm. He's like, I made my family disappear. <laughs> um, it also does it um, down in the basement. It does a similar, okay. like, slow pan. Um, but maybe my favorite shot in the whole movie, which I didn't like this as a kid because I thought it was unrealistic because it looks like... It's not lined up to go out the door, but the shot of him going down the stairs going on the sled. Said, yes, that's like, what I thought. You thought that too? It. Yeah, it didn't look like it was lined up. And then too, like it lands in the snow versus on the sidewalk, you know, like the walkway to go up the stairs. Does that make sense? So it goes down the stairs and goes through the door, but instead of like going down the pathway to like the mailbox, it mm-hmm. lands on the snow. And I felt like that doesn't line up to me. Yeah, I mean, that seems strange. My biggest issue is that it doesn't look lined up to go out the door. Okay, I mean, that too. Yeah, but yeah. that being said, I really liked 
that first person perspective when he's on the sled and like the sled's leaning over the stairs mm -hmm. and it's like creaking and he's like and like he's lining it up like i really like that shot okay okay yeah. those were like the technical things that i really liked about the mm -hmm. movie i did not like like the fourth wall breaking yes you know? okay so there was a moment where he goes where he is sent upstairs and he goes onto the bed and then he has like a head thought that we hear he has mm. like head dialogue and that's the only time it's it's audible I don't oh. think there's another time where he like says something in his head it's just weird that's true like the voiceover kind yeah. of thing the only thing close to that is when he's in the kitchen and the the little bubbles pop up of his family members yeah, saying yeah, yeah. shit but like that's a visual thing right I feel like that kind of fits. Yeah. But just like having a voiceover for like two seconds and like it never happens again. Yeah. It's kind of weird to me. One of the last things I want to talk about as far as like being like shocked by the film mm -hmm. um, is the, the climatic scene where he like catches the robbers with all his little gadgets and whatever like plants, yeah. like traps he, uh, he gets. Uh, like watching it it just felt so violent. Okay. Like, does that make sense? Like, yes, like the it was. Like, torch to the head. Yeah, like, dude. Yeah. And then, like, he, like, shot them with, like, BB guns. And mm. I think I screamed at some point because it yeah. was, like, so, like, what? Like, this kid is, like, literally shooting these guys. Yeah. Uh, like, yes, it was, like, fun watching it. Like, like, all the traps that he created. But at the same time, it felt, like, extremely violent. To the point where I was like kind of also uncomfortable. Okay. Hmm. I don't really but know what to say time. about the violence. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never really thought about it as far as the violence well, is Well, like, I feel like as a kid, you see that as like, um, almost like, uh, what, slapstick comedy? Yeah. But like, I feel like as an adult, it just feels so dangerous. And I was just like, how did you come up with any of this? And how did, are you capable of this sort of like intense action i guess yeah i did have an issue with like the blowtorch when when harry opens the back door and like, mm -hmm. it triggers the the blowtorch and his head is on fire yeah um that specifically reminds me of fallout where like when you're oh, like oh yeah they right? do have those traps yeah okay so i saw that in another moment that like felt like very fallout to me or like a video game mm -hmm. is where he's going through um through buzz's little chest. chest yeah uh, when he goes through his chest and he finds the firecrackers. And then you see it through the first person. You see it. And he says, uh, oh, firecrackers. I'll save these for later. Oh, yeah. And that like felt like a video game. Like, you know, like a cutscene or whatever. Okay. You know? And then they're uh, in your inventory. Yeah. That. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Okay. But yeah, sorry. You were saying. Just some of the booby traps seemed unbelievable. Yes. Um, and some of them are like continuity things as well i hate to keep bringing that up but like i noticed them and then i i read them on imdb and i'm like okay i have to say it i guess but yeah. like when he is putting tar on the steps going down <gasps> oh to the gosh, basement that's the most violent one okay yeah. yeah he is doing it from the top down Right. So he's trapping himself in the basement. Right, right, right. And then he puts a nail on one of them. And yeah. one, that's like, that reminded me of uh, 
what's it called a quiet place yeah uh but it's before a quiet place but still dude that felt so violent yeah. to me and like almost made me gag yeah i know what movie john krasinski was watching in 1990 oh. <laughs> <laughs> dude the last thing uh, like reference for me is uh the pizza guy mm-hmm. looks straight up like seth from nancy classified school <laughs> So, like, they have, like, the same attitude, too. And so it just makes me think of, like, that's who they had in mind when they were creating that character. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. Uh, that's all. Okay. Speaking of all of the booby traps. Okay. And of continuity errors. hmm This is the biggest error, I think, in the movie. And it's very similar to Parasite. Okay. And crumbs on the floor. Because this yes. house... This house is destroyed. I wanted to talk about that so much. Oh my god. <laughs> like, it literally makes no sense. So I, a human adult, spent all day cleaning just my room <laughs> alone. How is this boy cleaning a whole house spotless clean? And you've never finished. That's true. I've never finished cleaning a room. Yeah. Ever. So, I mean, it's one thing. Like, he sets up all of these traps. Right. In no time. Right. Uh, but like a window is broken, right? Or like no, there's glass on the floor from yeah. all the ornaments. Yeah. That's, there's tar on the on the, steps. on the steps. What else is there? You know, there's I mean, probably like char from like the flamethrower at some point. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Also, it makes no sense to why he never called the police. Like well, I. Well, if the phones are out, he can't call the police. Yeah, but he ordered pizza. Also, I think he he is the man of the house. Like, in his perspective, okay. he has wished his parents are gone. Uh-huh. They are gone. Okay. So now he has to take responsibility. And he can't just... I mean, it's one thing to call the police about the burglars. Okay. But I feel like he thinks he's going to be in trouble, too. Mm, because okay. I can he's see a that. kid. Yeah. And he is the man of the house. <laughs> okay. I can see that. It just makes no humane sense how that house was clean and like nice like to me like the scene where he woke up and it was downstairs and i talked to you about it like when he went downstairs oh, and like, yeah. the house was clean yeah after they had all those billions of people there <laughs> like that made no sense to me but uh, you talked to me out of it and you're like you know they have a lot of hands yeah. nobody wants to come home to a dirty house yeah. makes somewhat sense yeah but you know but uh, i mean the house is pristine even down to like buzz's room right yeah so it doesn't fully make sense to me and it makes even less sense to me that kevin could clean up his whole mess after the burglary. yes that that is impossible yeah he's there for two days what maid service did could he (laughs) afford with buzz's life savings (laughs) and that would come out on christmas eve christmas day Right. right so there is one um one goof that I read about okay. that I would like to debunk. Debunk. Yeah. Okay. So I did have an have an issue with this as a kid watching it, okay. uh, and it's the paint cans being thrown on the ropes down the stairs, uh-huh, uh-huh. which is you know one of the most iconic of the booby traps, I guess. Right. Uh, anyway, it looks as though Kevin is like to the side of the stairs throwing these paint cans Mm -hmm. so how is he throwing them like directly centered on the stairs Hmm. like it's people have enough of an issue with this that it is a goof on imdb right however looking at just the the floor plan of the house itself 
I feel like that makes sense. Uh, the house, the stairs go up, and then they curve, mm-hmm. and then it's like a flat railing. Right. And around that, like above the door, mm-hmm. is another railing. And that's where he is, throwing these paint cans yeah, directly yeah, yeah. centered on the stairs. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, I think yeah. it made sense to me. Because I think I questioned it for a hot second, <laughs> but then it didn't make sense to me. It's just, I think the way that it's shot, it looks weird. A lot of the issue... So it's a real house. Right. And funny enough, they... Uh, Kevin, when he does call the police... Mm-hmm. Wait. Wait. Does he give them their real address? No, he calls them... No, he calls them from his house, but he is calling about, about the, the house across the yeah. street. He says his name is something oh, like else. His mom, I think, uh, Kate, his mother, mm-hmm. gives the address. Mm-hmm. It's six seventy one Lincoln Boulevard is okay. the address that she gives. The mm-hmm. actual house, however, is six seventy one Lincoln Avenue <gasps> in in uh, Winnetka, Illinois. Illinois. It's like okay, yeah, they did have a Chicago Bears. Yeah, it's very Chicago-based, mm-hmm. and it's it's like in the suburbs of Chicago, I guess. Okay, okay. Um, I thought it was strange that they used the actual address of this actual house. Right. So speaking of Chicago, the movie itself, it premiered exclusively in theaters in Chicago. Wow. Um, on November 10th, 1990. Oh, these are the fun facts, by fun the way. Fun facts! Yeah, uh, and then it opened, like, nationwide the okay. week after. Um, it very quickly became a huge success right um it uh, when it was all said and done mm-hmm. it was the highest grossing live a- highest grossing live action comedy um until hangover 2 came out in 2011 wow so it, it was what? up there for a while and it was the highest grossing christmas movie until this stupid ass animated grinch movie came out in 2018 what yeah so a couple of these fun facts may blow your mind <gasps> this one in particular okay all right so macaulay culkin was not the first choice <gasps> for kevin McAllister. mine uh, already blown someone else who everybody knows was um, <gasps> was asked to audition can i guess who elijah wood no okay what's what color is his hair it's brown brown do yeah. i know him he looks or he looked like a chinese woman John Mulaney? Yeah, John Mulaney. Oh, John Mulaney was going to be Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he was going to be Kevin McAllister. <laughs> yeah, but his uh, his career would have been uplifted. Yeah, so he, he was seven years old at the time. Right. Um, anyway, his parents were like, no, he's not going to be in this movie. And his career... Has never been the oh same. Oh my god. Dude, he's never put in his stand-up. At least that I've heard of. I feel like that's something that would should ha- be in there. That's just bizarre to me. That is bizarre. There, there's other like casting things, too. Okay. I feel like Joe Pesci is just perfect for this role of Harry. Right. However, he wasn't the first choice or the second choice. What? Both uh, Robert De Niro okay. and uh, John Lovitz, who... And- you don't, no, I don't think I don't you know, know who he was. He was on SNL no. uh, back in the day when they were like, you know, prime SNL years. Okay. Um, they both turned down the role. Wow. Joe Pesci was the third choice. Yeah. Um, uncle Frank, the asshole uncle. Yeah, I have no idea who that guy is. 
Yeah, I don't know who the actor is either, but it, it was written for Kelsey Grammer, who played Frasier. He okay, is from okay. Cheers yeah, back yeah, in the yeah. day. Um, the guy who plays Marv, Daniel Stern. Mm-hmm. I pretty much only know him from this movie. I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff, like yeah. small roles. The curly-haired guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, feel like I've seen him in something else. He was cast for the role, mm-hmm. and then he backed out of it because they were extending the, the scheduled filming time oh. by like four weeks. And he was like... Can't do that, Yeah, bro. he was like, I ain't doing this anymore. Yeah. And he backed out, and they brought in some other guy. And the director, um, Chris Columbus, mm-hmm. he said he said that there was no uh, chemistry between this yeah, guy and Joe Pesci. Yeah, so he was like, we gotta get Daniel Stern back in here. And I can't imagine the movie without... Without Marv being who he yeah, is. Yeah, who he is. Yeah. Whoa. That's insane. Damn. To me. The Santa Claus impersonator or Santa Claus mm-hmm. guy. Uh, <laughs> who is that? I don't know who it is. Okay. But wow. Chris Farley auditioned for the role and, and was turned down. What? <laughs> that does blow my mind. That's crazy. Um, what? And then, I don't even know if you know him, but John Candy is Gus Polinsky. Okay. The Polka King. Oh, okay. He was very famous at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just in the movie Uncle Buck. Okay. Who was written and directed by the same people. Okay. Um, he was like a world famous comedian at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he agreed to be in the movie kind of as a favor to uh, either Chris Columbus or John Hughes, the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was only available to shoot for one day. And they they shot all of his part, or they shot all of his scenes in one day, mm-hmm. but it took 23 hours. And he only got paid the Screen Actors Guild minimum or something like that, which was like $414. And he was pretty upset about that afterwards. Damn. Yeah, so John Candy's role of the polka singer mm-hmm. uh, stems from this skit on SCTV from 1976. Uh called the Schminge Brothers. The Schminge Brothers. Yeah, these two polka brothers, polka singing brothers. Uh It was him and then Eugene Levy was the other polka singer. (gasps) What? Uh, And Catherine O'Hara was also in that. uh, There was a short film or a major or full motion picture. I'm not sure. But uh, it was a mockumentary called The Last Polka. Oh my God. Starring the three of them. (laughs) Isn't there another mockumentary called The Polka King with uh, Jack Black? Whoa, I wonder if that's the same thing. I wonder. Hmm. Hmm. Anyways, Catherine O'Hara looks so young in this film. Yeah, yeah. Like, she looks, like, she hardly ever even looks like herself, for what I know her as. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I was kind of upset by the amount of Catherine O'Hara in this film, and the level of acting. Because I feel like there was not enough Catherine O'Hara in this film. And, like, I just always pictured her, well, okay. I, like, pictured her as, like, not a mean mom, but, like, a like a frantic mom. Hmm. And, like, she was so composed. And it was so different from what I thought she was going to be. Okay. Like, I remembered her from this Home Alone movie I've apparently seen. <laughs> to be, like, more, like, I guess, like, my mom. Like, just yelly for no reason. Okay. And she was just so composed. She was like, that's not very nice. Yeah. I know one day you're going to regret that. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, woman. 
Uh, she has this really good line when Gus Polinski approaches her and is trying to introduce himself and is like, you've never heard of this guy? Or what about this? Yet. What about this song? Or what about this song? He said he could help me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like naming off all these polka hits. Uh-huh. And she's just like, and then at some point she's like, these are songs? <laughs> like he's just, you know, thinks he's yeah. some hot shot. And... and he's just some polka dude. <laughs> uh, anyway, all of his lines were improv. Okay. All yeah. of them. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of quotes, there's a couple other quotes that really stood out to me. Okay. Uh, the first one that I laughed really hard at was when Kevin is pissed off and he's like, when I grow up, I'm going to get married, and I'm living alone. <laughs> and I just thought it was funny because he's going to get married. Right. Like, that's a given. And he's going to live alone. Well, dude, that straight up makes me think of Daniel Plainfield, too, where he's like... Plainview. Plainview. I, I do that every time. <laughs> um, dude, just like his idea of like being the American dream is like being married, but also being alone. Like, he wants to be married and have a family, but he really just wants to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> Buzz, uh, he's asked, like why aren't you worried about Kevin or something like that? Mm-hmm. And he, he's so dumb. He says, uh, I'm not worried about Kevin for three reasons. Uh, a, I'm not that lucky. Like something would happen to Kevin. Yeah. It would be lucky for, for Buzz or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, he said, A, I'm not that lucky. Two, we use smoke detectors. And D, we live in the most boring street in America. <laughs> like who, who has three things like that? A, two, and D. <laughs> Um, and uh, I like I think you don't like this line but when um, when Joe Pesci's character when Harry is impersonating the cop and he's in the house and he's about to leave yeah and she is like oh yeah we're going to Paris and he's like oh Paris excellent no your house is in good hands I I really like it because it's like a it's like a double entendre of foreshadowing. Okay. So like, it's sinister because yeah, your house is in good hands. I know I'm breaking into your house as soon as you leave. You know. Right. Uh, but also by the end of the movie, like Kevin has defended the house successfully. Mm. So it it has been in good hands. Okay. Okay. But also nobody talks like that. Nobody just what do you like. Mean? Well, nobody like spills their like plans out like that every villain in every movie spills yeah their plans. but it's just like <sighs> <laughs> i just like i like the plan that harry and i guess marv i guess mm-hmm. uh, i like the plan that they had he's going around impersonating cop like finding out what these people are doing if they're leaving for the holidays right. he's got it so down to an art that he has their like christmas light schedule yeah you know that's another thing I did not like. He's like, this family is going to put their lights on now. And then this family is going to do Because it's like, who? why would they do it like a minute apart from each other? That, that makes no it's, sense to it's me. It's dumb. It's going to be like 6 o'clock. Like every house is going to be 6 right. o'clock, you know? But I I like what it shows. Like like he is very smart. Okay. Uh, they have that, that van, the work van. Mm-hmm. It's like their, their front or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought that was smart. Okay. Which, because they're so smart, it seems less believable that they would just be duped for so for so long by this kid. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. But also, it's like, they're so smart. I feel like, I don't know, it just seems dumb to me for them to pursue a house that has a child in it. Because it's like, you know, do you want to get caught for robbery? Or do you want to be caught for a robbery and, like, kidnapping? Yeah. Uh, one more thing before we get into our ratings. Okay. Uh, this was another thing that, like, the house is pristine mm-hmm. when when Kate and then the rest of the family get there on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. But also, Catherine O'Hare herself just looks immaculate. Yes. And she herself... Like, yeah, in a have previous you ever scene, been stressed out? Like, you don't look great. Well, <laughs> she herself said that she hasn't slept for 60 hours. Right. And she's dirty and disheveled. And then she shows up on Christmas morning. And she's and she like just, a goddess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking angel. That's one of the things that's like what you were talking about as a preventative pothole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she was like, I can't get on a plane that's going to leave in two days. I have to go get my son. And then like. She gets to the place, to her house, within two days. So it's like, it would have been easier for her to just wait. Yeah, I mean, I get it, though. Like, you know. I mean, like, I understand being a stressed mom. Yeah. And, like, trying to, like, get to your child as soon as possible. I totally understand that. It's like, knowing that you have to wait in traffic. Like, if the highway's backed up, Mm -hmm. you're just going to have to sit there and just wait in traffic. Or you get off of this exit, and it's probably going to take you the same amount of time. But at least you're moving, you know? Okay, I guess that makes sense. I would, I gotta be moving. Uh, I do <laughs> like that, though. That's, like, one of the ones that I did, like, like, was that she was so stressed out that she had to go to her son yeah, right yeah. now that she couldn't wait two days. Yeah, that seems the most believable yeah. and, like, plausible. Like, right. The fact that only she, you know tries to get back by herself yeah like it just makes sense to not take everybody back yeah that was something yeah. that was like annoying me that they're like oh we we can only take tickets for all of us on friday it's like why does everybody gotta go back <laughs> like it literally makes no sense for everyone yeah. to go back yeah but i mean their their whole vacation was ruined i mean yeah i guess anyway um let's get into our ratings okay you want to go first? Sure. All right. So, in my first viewing of this movie, mm-hmm. I was really excited to watch it. I was very thrilled and had a lot of fun watching this movie. Okay. Um, but my rating is going to be a 6.8. Ooh. <laughs> I know it hits pretty deep. And okay. I feel like the and where it stars for me as it's editing, and there will be a scene that I'll talk about specifically in my favorites. Um, but I felt like it was edited really well. The mm-hmm. sound was really great. I mm-hmm. felt like it was really like thriving off of like the little, like the uh, TV screen, like saying stuff, yeah, the yeah, yeah, firecrackers, yeah. stuff like that. I, I one sound in particular stands out to me when Marv is like in the basement door mm-hmm. and he's like slipping on the ice, <laughs> and then he like like slams his feet up against the walls yeah. to to keep his. Like to balance himself, yeah, it's just like it's like, yeah, and, it and I think, so good. yeah, I think it was scored really well too. Oh yeah, the, like there was a lot of synchrony, yeah, going on. Yeah. Um, but for me, what uh, where it, like it's kind of like the characters themselves are like not really fleshed out for me, where I don't really care about anyone. Like I really don't care about Kevin. Like hmm. you know, like I really don't care what's going on with him. You're not charmed by his, like... No. I mean, I love Macaulay Culkin. Mature dialogue. But, like, no, I don't care for him. 
dialogue was another thing I hated. Like, there were just things that were being said. Like, at the end, um, his dad, is he says something like, uh, what you been doing all this time? He's like, I was hanging around. And then his dad's like, what a funny guy. Like, that was strange. That was weird and to then, me. And then everybody has, like, this weird group laugh. Yeah. That's the exact opposite of, like, like all, like, staring at him and scolding him. Yeah. Um, I think, too, like, I think it was mainly his dad just having stupid lines. I mean, I that was a couple <laughs> lines where Joe Pesci's character I just didn't like. Oh, when they find out that Kevin is, uh is missing or whatever they they're like uh Catherine O'Hare is like I'll just go by myself and they hug and uh he's like oh go find Kevin it's like go find Kevin he's at your fucking house (laughs) you don't need to find him you just need to go get him um and also you know like the first conflict is that Kevin doesn't know how to pack a suitcase and it's like what how is this a problem and then he says, I've never packed a suitcase once in my whole life. <laughs> like, that literally sounds like something I would say. <laughs> but yeah, overall, like, it was kind of an average movie. Like, all right. Okay. Um, but yeah, a 6.8 is where I stand. Where, how does this movie hold up for you? So I'm a little higher than you. Okay. And it's probably just a lot of, like, nostalgia, nostalgia you know. But I, I was impressed Rewatching it, like how well it held up. Yeah. Anyway, I couldn't give it an eight. I gave it a seven point nine. Wow. Which I feel like, in some ways, is higher than it should be, but it also in some ways is lower than it could be. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. But yeah. So, what's your one favorite thing about this movie? My one favorite thing. Well, I have two favorite things. Of course. All right. So my first (laughs) favorite thing. Which is just like the cutest scene. It's like the first time I saw Kyrian on screen. Yeah. Where yeah, yeah. you just see him like in a very far back room, sitting on a table. And uh, I don't know who says what to him, but he's like, I don't even live here. <laughs> Dude, it's so cute. I just love Kyrian so much. And I mean, I love the Pepsi scene, but I felt like it was very forced. Yeah. Uh, but. Just that first interaction with him was probably my favorite. Yeah. So my second favorite thing is a little bit more cinematic. And that's when uh, I believe Kevin is running home from church and uh, the music is just super intense. And he's like running. It almost sounds like Halloween, but like Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he's like running. And then as he's running, like the lights are just on beat with like the music that's playing. And like, it's just so good. I feel like that's just like part of the editing that I really enjoyed about this movie. Okay. Yeah. I feel like the the score really elevates this movie. Yeah. During specific scenes like that. Yeah. Um, But what was your favorite part of the film? uh, So my favorite part of the movie has to be. Uh, after he steals the toothbrush on accident, it shows him, it cuts to him <laughs> just walking down the street with a toothbrush in his hand, and he's just like so sad. Yeah. And he says, I'm a criminal. <laughs> he's like, I'm a criminal. <laughs> he's just, so deluded. It's something yeah. I just related to That's really so cute. much as a kid because I never wanted to do something wrong, especially yeah. on accident like that. And, it's really yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah, it's like when you're uh, driving and then you, like a police officer just drives up next to you and you're like, 
I'm not a criminal. It's like you <laughs> didn't even do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, but uh, with yeah. that, thank you so much for watching <laughs> us. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Home Alone. And if you haven't seen it, um, I highly recommend it. Yes. As do I. <laughs> and this episode concludes both our second season and our whole year doing this podcast. Yes. <laughs> We've been wanting to do this podcast for so long, so we're really glad that we really stuck to it this time. And we hope that you guys had a fun time watching us because we definitely had a fun time uh, recording and editing. Yeah. Editing has been way more fun than, than expected. <laughs> at, least, at least on my end. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been fun. Um, so we are going to do one more episode. It's going to be a recap of episodes 11 through 20, this being the 20th episode. Yes. Uh, it would be just like the last recap episode on mm -hmm. which we kind of correct things that need to correct. Yeah, mention things that we forgot to mention. Yeah, and then we're going to update the big chart of ratings. Big chart. And, and uh, don't forget the outtakes. Yeah, we got those outtakes covered. <laughs> There's a lot of outtakes this time. Oh, yikes. I got to cut those down. <laughs> yeah. But also following that, we're going to be taking a bit of a break and... Uh, uh, but be, we'll come back with a bang. Yeah, we're going to come back uh, sometime around like mid to late February, maybe early March, mm -hmm. uh, with an episode kind of centered around award season. Yes. We're going to do some awards ourselves. Right. Uh, yeah. We're working with the working title, Derby Winners. There will be winners. There will be winners. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we'll make some announcements and posts about that as the days. Uh, draw closer. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, so thank you for watching us. Yeah, thank you again. so much. Subscribe to the channel and share us with your friends. Yes, get uh, those counters up because we want to change our URL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you can also follow us on Instagram. We are There Will Be Podcasts. And on Twitter, we are Pod From A Basket. Yes. Um, and our videos are also available on Spotify now. Oh, yeah, you can watch yeah. us there. And finally, we want to wish everyone a very happy holiday season. And we'll see you in 2022. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>